Thank you for tuning into the Radicards podcast on Radicards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno, and today we've got Ryan Daly joining us uh, for hey. this episode. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good, good. Nice to be back. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. So today's kind of an interesting agenda. We're going to start off with a dialogue on someone's retirement, and then we're going to kind of jump into the hobby, really. you got to put our thinking caps on and jump headfirst right into the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so first things first here. Ryan, you want to start us off with this initial point? Sure. Yeah. So the big news today in baseball um, was David Wright announcing his retirement. It was first announced that he would come back and play a few more games uh, for the Mets before the season ends because injuries have been kind of nagging this year. Um, and then subsequently he announced his official retirement, which everybody sort of expected. Um, he's... You know, he started his career as sort of a, the new hope for the Mets. He was an amazing third baseman, uh, offensively, defensively, MVP almost every year through the mid-2000s. Um, but he could just never stay healthy. And it's it's sad to see, but um, he was certainly a fan favorite in New York. And we all know the Mets are seemingly some sort of maybe cursed franchise. They can never really put it together. Um, so sad to see him go. He's sort of been um, in the baseball world for a, a big chunk of my life uh, watching baseball on TV, and he's just sort of been like a household name. Um, so I don't think he's Hall of Fame worthy just because he, he missed so much playing time. Um, if you look at his stats, the – the games and the plate appearances just sort of diminished throughout the years. Like I said, he could just never stay healthy. Um, but, you know, we talked about Ryan Howard on, I think, the last podcast, maybe two podcasts ago. So we're kind of we're seeing two guys that were super dominant uh, about 10 years ago uh, officially hanging it up, calling it a day, um, and wish the best for him. Maybe he'll get into managing or something. Um but if you're a Mets fan, make sure you turn in or tune in to uh, their last couple series as we sort of near the end of the season here, uh, so you can watch David Wright play for the last time. Well, he, uh, I mean, it's not like he's going to have to look for a work as like a bagger at a grocery store or anything. <laughs> the guy's made like just shy of, well, just just north of 165 million dollars in his career. So it's like. You know, he's done, he's done, in terms of income production, he's done really well for himself. And, you know, he was a fan favorite, I'd say, about 10 years ago, as you had mentioned. Um, I remember, gosh, in, I think 07, 08, right in there, he was really popular because, his, I mean, his batting average was great, above 300 for quite you know, a couple of years in a row. And so uh, he was one of the guys that everybody was chasing around that time. And his popularity just kind of has fizzled over the last, I'd say three years. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I mean, baseball's hard on the body. It's any team sport is just hard on the body. So if you can last in, in, in any superior capacity for more than two or three years, I mean, I consider you a superstar. I don't care who you are. And so <laughs> he was able to do this with all-star status over you know seven different times, two-time silver slugger, two-time gold glove. Obviously not Hall of Fame statistics, but definitely superstar statistics. Like he's a he was a great he was a great player for his in his era. Uh, but as you were saying, injury has kind of caught up to him, and has prevented him to, uh, from performing in his 
peak and his uh, his his um, most dominant capacity. And so, uh, you know, I, I I wish the guy all the best, just like I did with Ryan Howard. And you know, I hope that he's able to find some additional way to kind of utilize his skills in baseball in some way in the future in some capacity, whether it be like a front office thing or I mean, who knows. Um, interestingly, a note uh, to note here is that he's signed through 2020. So he's yep. still on the payroll for the Mets for another two years. Yes. So what does that uh, look? Are they going to, I mean, I, I don't, in ba I don't know how this works when people retire early. Do they like um, waive the rest of their, their contract or how do, are they paid out? I, I just don't, I know it's not like football where you're paid based on performance. I, I, I just, I'm not sure if it's the same way in baseball and I don't know the actual details of that. Do you? I believe you were just pay, paid out per your contract. Um, but I, I sort of applaud him for doing that because a lot of players will just sort of see the contract through regardless of their performance. Mm -hmm. It's been a big topic for the Angels with Albert Pujols because he still has, uh, I think, two years left on his deal. And he is not performing nearly as well as he did a couple years ago. All and right. so I think a lot of people... You know, everybody likes Albert Pujols, obviously, but I think everyone's hoping that he just sort of has the um, the awareness to just retire, take his money, you know, not take the team down with him, <laughs> to say. And um, I, I applaud David Wright for doing that, just for sort of being aware of the situation and, uh, you know, let somebody else, let a younger guy come up and take the third base position, let somebody else have a, a chance at it. So with the Pujols thing, the Angels front office and Mike Sosha all had to know going in that they're going to buy him after he had already put in his best years, essentially. They're going to get a few more years, and then they're going to know that the natural course of aging is going to probably pull him down performance-wise. Um, and so I think what's happening now is normal with Albert Pujols. I mean, is anybody's fault that they're paying a lot of money for a non-performer or a low performer? No, but it's normal. And honestly, I think they got great performance from him over the years. I mean, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm confident of that. He's one of the greatest hitters we've ever had. Um, so with Pujols, he's kind of an interesting situation because he's given so much to baseball already, and he's at that natural decline in age uh, where performance starts to kind of drop off a little bit. So um, buying a player for 10 years after they've put in, a, you know, 10 years, essentially, uh, you have to know that you're kind of buying him after his peak years, like you're not buying his best years now. You're buying him. You're buying now his his slowdown years. And so, David Wright's situation is interesting because he knows he can't give more, so he'd rather just bow out. Now, as a skateboarder, um, I used to follow a lot of the skaters growing up, the pro skaters. And there's one guy named Heath Kirchard, and he was also always so fun to watch skate skate pro skateboarding on on, on the videos I used to watch. He was so much fun to watch. Such a great skateboarder. Just a fantastically entertaining skateboarder. Super talented. But one day, he got up and he was just like, I don't, I don't want to skate anymore. So he called his sponsors and everybody and he said, don't make my boards anymore. Don't make you know any, any of my product anymore. And he just stopped skating. And then he picked up like odd jobs. Like he was like um, pizza delivery for a while. And he was doing like um, Instagram for a company for a while. And now he just like, he's just kind of like a, like a, a renaissance man because he does all these things outdoorsy like he's he's done things that are um uh, kind of like 
boating, extreme boating and, 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 and biking and things. But that's besides the point. The point is, is that knowing he w- didn't have his heart in it anymore, he didn't want to like just be on the team for his, his skate, the skateboard company that was sponsoring him just to be on the team. So he just called him up and said, like, don't make my, my boards anymore. And right. I really, I really respected that because if you're not in it anymore passionately for any reason, then that's like the best time to go and li- do something else with your life. You know, not just like, not just live to live. You live for purpose, like do something else that makes you happy. And it might not be what you're doing now. Like with David Wright, it's not baseball anymore. It's going to be something else. With Heath, Heath Kirchard, it was not skateboarding anymore for some reason. He just went and did other things and he's happy. And I totally respect that. I have a lot of respect for guys who can just hang it up and be completely honest and transparent about it with their team members. I really like that. Yeah, and uh, I think we're all hoping Pujols um, hangs it up sooner rather than later. I think it just sort of depends on how much pride you might have um, and sort of how you see yourself on the team but these sort of contracts that we see, you know, 10 years is such a long time. And I we're, think we're starting to see less and less of that because it just doesn't make sense from a performance standpoint. Um, so glad that David Wright was able to have that awareness, call it quits, let somebody else have a stab at that position. Um, we'll see what happens with Pujols. He's due for another round of off-season surgeries and rehab and you know so we'll get a frankenstein pujols next year yet again <laughs> yeah but his numbers i mean it's like i mean his, he's kind of like a he's kind of like a like a like a marvel character in some ways you know he's this like superhero type baseball player regardless of his down years i mean even a down year he's hitting like 20 plus home runs you know it's it's like, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. And I know crazy. that when the Angels signed him, they knew that they weren't going to get the production of a younger Pujols. But yeah. just from a marketing standpoint and from a historical standpoint, he's hit so many historic home runs. Uh, he got home run 600 with the Angels. He got hit 3,000 with the Angels. Yeah. So these sort of things are obviously they don't, they don't really help you win games necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just to have – the angels jersey on it's it's great for marketing it's good to kind of get butts in the seats um, totally. so I, I get it from that angle um but at some point you know if if you're reaching pushing 40 as a hitter and you've had you know leg problems and nagging injuries it's it's probably time to just call it quits even if he hung it up this year let's say like pre-end of contract pool halls we're talking about now he'd yes. end with a career average above 300 over 600 home runs and over 3,000 hits. Like, you'd be lucky to get one of those things in a career, just one of those achievements. And mm-hmm. he's got three. I mean, not to mention his, like, OBP career is three, above 380. His slugging is above 550. I mean, he's just – he is like a superhero. <laughs> you know, and so I, I, I really uh, admire Pujols regardless of his performance. The guy's highly decorated. He's just – He's just uh, very tenured on the field, and I, I can appreciate the quality of his uh, his performance. But, yeah, I mean, he's 18 years into his career. It's pretty incredible, actually. It's just incredible. So moving on, uh, I want to just uh, touch. I'm glad we got to talk about that because I think that's uh, it's an important thing to talk about when you talk about guys who we've kind of remember their heyday, and now they're they're retiring. So 
uh, on eBay. Uh, some of you might remember uh, a couple of months back, earlier this year, rather, uh, Vegas Dave bought the 2009 Bowman Chrome Draft Super Fractor, the Mike Trout, for $400,000. And recently, uh, a, a seller listed the 2018 Topps Chrome Mike Trout Super Fractor, and they want $150,000 for it. <laughs> now, I actually posted this on my, my Facebook group, group, which you should join, by the way. You can find that on uh, It's There's links to it. Uh, where about in the headers, there's one. But um, Vegas Dave responded, and he was like, yeah, he's... Uh, he he was saying that the seller offered it to him for some crazy price, knowing that that Dave bought that super fractor for four hundred thousand. And Vegas Dave turned him down, and then said that the car, car he was completely uninterested in the card. Vegas Dave said that's the seller, and the seller I guess didn't handle it well. You know, he just oh no. And I guess this has been discussed on Reddit as well that you know that the seller is trying to figure out an identifiable price, knowing that that super fractor sold for a hundred grand or four hundred thousand. And everybody's saying, look, to, you, to expect to get like 2000 on its best day. Like almost everybody's saying that number, you know, like if you just run an auction style, the chance of it closing around two is much higher than ever selling anywhere near the asking price. And I just thought that was kind of interesting how um, you can kind of see one sale, one guy uh, buy, buy a... Uh, buy a card for a crazy high price and then you pull something and then you look at that sale and think well i can replicate that with something mm-hmm. um that's that 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 only is relevant in one factor alone and that's the design factor that it's a super fractor it's not a rookie trout's been playing now for quite a few years and it's just it's i want to say like i don't want to say this like cynically but in a way a lot of modern super fractors are kind of run of the mill i mean they're just they're just all over the place. And so, um, I mean, Superfractors are great. I love them. I'm a huge fan of Superfractors. But you can't expect to replicate rookie card status Superfractor sales mm-hmm. with modern seasoned player era Superfractors. You just, it's just un- unrealistic. And also, and I talked about this like many podcasts ago, is that when something sells for a price, it doesn't mean you can replicate that sell again because that one buyer the likelihood that a buyer buying that card again at that price is very low to none. So the person behind him was is willing to pay a, a price that might be less than that, you know, for, you know, whoever's the next guy in, in the running would, what was, you know, lost out, let's say if, if it went at auction for 400 K and Vegas Dave was the winner, whoever was below Vegas Dave wasn't willing to pay 400 K. So the set, the next time the card lists because the person that bought it won't want it that card will sell that has a chance of selling for less money now with this modern 2018 card beautiful card great card but because trout is in so many products and he has so many super factors under his belt i can't expect it to go any higher than like two grand at auction ryan thoughts i i agree and we see stuff like this uh frequently and the thing i don't get is it's it's sort of a win-win situation for whoever owns this card. You either don't sell it and you get to keep this amazing card in your collection, or you can put it up and still get a really nice chunk of change for it. You, know, you can still make a couple thousand dollars on this card. So just be realistic. Get what the market demands. You're going to 
come out on top either way. Mm. Either you're going to stash this card for years in your collection, and it'll be like a cornerstone piece of your collection, or you can sell it and make a bunch of money. But you're not going to make whatever you're asking for right now. That's just unrealistic. Um, the trout stuff is just going to keep going up and up in value. So if if you're really stubborn about it, I guess you would just stash it and you know wait till he's retired or maybe till he wins a World Series or something like that. But at this point, if if you really think the card's worth that much, I would just hold on to it. It just doesn't make any sense right now in 2018. Yeah, I mean, there's this other conversation that, you know, if, if you expect to get such a big, gigantic figure, why don't you just keep it? You know, like, if if, if the market has no interest in, in responding to your crazy high expectations, then maybe you don't want to sell it. You know, maybe it's good to just hang on to it. And that's okay. Right. Like, you don't have to sell it. I mean, if this is a card I pulled, I'd probably just keep it because I think it's a great card. Exactly. You know, and if it's, I mean, I can get two grand in another way. I don't need to flip a trout super fractor. And how often is it the case that we pull super nice cards like that? That's it's just a memory I just want to hang on to. So for me as a collector, I'm just a collector at heart. Um, I would just want to hang on to the card itself. But just want to touch on that because um, it's just kind of an example of when you see something sell for high prices, it doesn't always mean you can turn that around on some other version of a card with the same player um just i mean apples and oranges you know so yep totally apples and oranges totally there. especially i mean the that 2009 uh bowman draft is such a significant card now yeah. um it's yeah you're right apples and oranges um so i hope this the seller whoever has the card takes this as a, a chance to sort of educate himself on you know, not not all super factors are created equal, right. and it, it depends on the year and um, the condition, all these all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he'll like I said, he'll still make a bunch of money if he just puts it up at auction. But oh yeah, uh, it's it's just kind of one of those things where you're not quite tuned into the market like you should be, and uh, I hope he learns a lesson. Yeah, and there's no like wrong answer here. It's just like if 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 you really want to sell it, there's a way to do that. You know, you could just start it at 99 cents and let the market just decide the value. That's that's really the best way to let things just go. Um, you know, there's always that bin that's around market value or around what you think it should sell for that, but's realistic. There's that. There's another way to move product that way too. Um, there are strategies there that are you know allow you to move things at ease, uh, but then. There are sometimes you can just identify when somebody just doesn't want to sell something. You can just, I mean, on eBay, you can go scroll through and find dozens on a daily basis of situations where sellers just, you can tell they're just not interested in selling their, their stuff. And, you know, it doesn't, it's not cheap to list. Sometimes you have to pay insertion fees. And so it's like, you're actually at a loss when you list stuff that's crazy high and nobody wants to buy it at that price. So anyway, just want to touch on that. I think that's a good point. Uh, moving on. Uh, some of you might remember the 1990 Fleer, Jose Aribe, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uribe. Uribe. Uh, there was like this trend for a while that's kind of, kind of gained some popularity of listing that card for crazy prices, just for, as a joke. And it's kind of caught on. So there's like sale records of this card selling for crazy high prices, but I think it was all, it's all fake. I honestly believe it's all fake. <laughs> yeah, okay. of course. It's, it's, it's all it's fake, fun. but it's just for fun, and it's kind of caught on. 
so this this next one uh, I noticed the 1989 Donruss Alex Madrid is is the next one that's caught on to this like cutesy little junk wax overpriced overhyped thing. Still worth less than a penny, by the way. <laughs> but and like actual market value is like less than a penny. But this like perceived cutesy fun kind of entertainment like slapstick comedy that's happening on eBay. Uh, some of these cards are selling for like high double figures. I mean, it's just. It's joking, right? It's just joking. I think it's just the market's way of poking fun at uh, market saturation that took place during this era. And I actually get a lot out of that. I think it's that's funny to me. Um, but I just I just wanted to bring that up because it's uh, <laughs> the entertainment value is high. So, how many Alex Madrid cards do you think were printed? Billions. <laughs> so here's what I would recommend: this <laughs> these crazy eBay people do. They would. They should find every single Alex Madrid card ever printed and sell them for a penny. Then maybe you'll make some money. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's too idealistic, right? Because like, you can't you can't sell something that doesn't have any intrinsic value. Like nobody, no no monetary value. People don't go to shows looking for '89 Don Russ Alex Madrid cards. Just like they don't. They the same amount of people go to the same shows looking for 1990 Fleer Jose. Uribe? Uribe? Uribe. I can't pronounce it right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's like the likelihood of those actually returning any sort of significant uh, financial return is, is almost zero. Like in the realistic market. Like how often you go into a show and be like, hey, do you have an 89 Donruss, Alex Madrid's? Like it's just, sorry. I mean, I, I just, that's this is the kind of stuff people like pack 800 count thick bricks for and then throw those things in the fireplace to keep warm in the, in the winter you know it's like yep. i i know people who have thrown this stuff away they've burned it um because it's just it's essentially worthless um but i think it's kind of fun to see this kind of market hype because it still keeps a focus on the junk wax era regardless of how little value it is um, and i'm a big fan of the junk wax stuff but i don't collect the the commons like i don't i just don't care so like I look at this as from an observatory, like, like, you know, as, as a kind of like a, on the bleachers watching and it's funny to me, but it's, it's almost, it's funny for a couple of different one. It's time you're spending focusing on Jose Uribe. <laughs> I, I think I did it right that time. I and, think you got it. And Alex Madrid, instead of focusing on like King Griffey Jr. or John Smoltz or Randy Johnson. Right. And so, um, I guess it's just like, where do you want to spend your time? You know, like, do you want to, do you want to play around with like adding the, the Uribe or the Madrid card into the ethos? Or do you want to focus on buying and selling um, some of the stars? I don't know. This is just kind of where my mind thinks. And it's kind of like maybe a wander, maybe a tangential, but Ryan, you want to add some, add some thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Focusing on this stuff is a complete waste of time. It's it's a waste of an eBay listing, even. Totally. <laughs> so, um, obviously, my suggestion of getting all the Alex Madrids and selling them, it was just a joke, but that's the only way I could see even coming close to making money on a Jose Uribe-type player or an Alex Madrid-type so player. Here's so, my, here's my piggyback to that. You get all the Alex Madrids from 89ers, all of them, like every single billion copies, and you save one and you burn the rest of them. Then the one card might have a might have a chance of making you more than a penny. Might. Yeah, maybe. 
But you then have to act actively broadcast that you've just destroyed every other copy, which is... And then you find guys with bricks and boxes and sealed cases of 89 Donruss. There's just no end to it. You know, they, they, I always joke about it. They left the printing presses on day and night for like an entire year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just want to touch on that because it's sort of entertaining. Moving on. Ryan, you want to take the mic on this next one? This is point four. Yeah, so recently... The there's a T206 graded set, uh, graded by PSA, and it's the number one set in the PSA registry. Uh, and if you don't know about that registry, you can search through graded cards on the PSA website to see population reports. Um, you know what cards have been graded, what cards haven't been graded. Um, so this seller has, gosh, how many does he have here? I mean, it's, it's like hundreds. Hundreds of T206, which if you're not familiar, it's one of the most legendary sets in collecting, specifically in, in vintage cards. Mm -hmm. um, and not only does he have a very comprehensive set here, they're all in high grades, 8s, 9s, 10s, which is really insane considering these are from... Uh, 1909, 1910, 1911, that kind of era. Mm -hmm. um, they're extremely con con, uh, uh, condition sensitive. They were in packs of cigarettes, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's it's a really interesting set. And I know like a lot of listeners and a lot of collectors will never come close to owning something like this, but um, it's still fun to to just sort of educate yourself and see how these cards are performing um, on the market. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Heritage Auctions uh, email and like a, the PSA email list because they're always sending out updates on fun auctions to follow. Um, and even if they're out of your price range, it's still just fun to watch and see what what's happening in these kind of super high-end um, auctions. I've seen this set in various conditions. Myself, I collect this set in very low grade, and we're talking like raw as long as it's fully intact, you know, like just hammered. Because, I mean, I don't ever intend to pursue the set in any higher grade because I, I'm, I'm happy with the low grade examples. But just seeing this stuff in 7, 8s, and 9s is like transcendental. The colors, the centering, I mean, oh, yeah, the beautiful. colors alone are just, they, it's, it's magnificent. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful set. And this gentleman has at least the link that's published on our agenda, 520 different items. Yep. And, and that's not even the full set because uh, we looked, we couldn't find that he has the Wagner, but he does have the plank and he does have the Sherry McGee error card, both of which are already well into the six figures. And so it's like, really intense to see this stuff in this condition because it's so old as ryan was saying and you know if you can just have any one card in the set in a seven or an eight it's like that's like a win but this guy has hundreds of them and so if you go to heritage auctions you know if you're listening to this and you're on the blog post you can click below and there's a link to this um heritage auctions page where you can see these uh, so if you're on like iTunes or whatever, you can click back and go see, go you know, actually see this, or you can just go here to auctions, ha.com and search for it yourself. Uh, but 
it's amazing to see this volume of these cards in this condition with this color. I mean, they look practically brand new. And they're, yeah, it's they just incredible. It's incredible. So. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that stuff. Um, even if you can't afford it, it's it's just fun to watch. Yeah, and you know, it's we're kind of like having a discussion on the owner of the cards. Like, what is his occupation? See, I think he's a deli clerk at a at a local uh, Kroger. <laughs> but uh, Ryan thinks he might be like an attorney or a doctor. So, I think I'm more accurate with my guess. But everybody's different in that capacity. Hey, deli clerks make, I mean, at least twelve bucks an hour. I mean, I don't. <laughs> hey, if you bought it at the right time and right. save scrap some money together, you know, it's, right. it's possible, I guess. <laughs> it's very impossible. Uh, really cool stuff. The number one PSA T206 set is broken up and being sold currently on Heritage Auctions website at ha.com. Amazing, amazing stuff. I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about that. Um, let's see here. Let's talk one moment about the uh, the plank card, though, while we're at it. Because... This card's really interesting. Um, the reason, the, here's what I've, I've, this is, I'm kind of just telling it sort of the campfire talk, what I've heard why this card is so, is so rare. Is it, it's my understanding that the printing plate broke during manufacturing and they only printed a few of them before it broke, leading that card ah. to be exceedingly rare in any condition. So the gentleman that's selling this collection has a seven and it's already at $280,000. It's got six, almost seven days left at the time of this recording. So, I mean, you rarely see these. I saw one at the National one year. I just, I'm, I'm just always shocked when I see this card because I know how rare it is. Uh, just really, really cool stuff. Huh. I didn't know that. That's, that's a cool tidbit. Yeah. And yeah. then the, I guess for those who don't know, the most famous card from the set is the Honus Wagner. And it's my understanding, and maybe you can confirm this or, or elaborate uh, because they were in packs of cigarettes, Wagner did not want his name associated with tobacco products, so they had to pull him. Um, so not only is he a Hall of Fame amazing baseball player, but um, pulling the card sort of mid-production just made it exceedingly rare. Yeah, that's 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 the generally considered belief of what happened, but there's kind of no guarantee of really what why his card is is as rare as it is but that's sure. that's that's like what i've heard as well over the years is that he didn't want to influence kids the wrong way so i i don't whatever the case is that's obviously the most desirable card now one of the other most desirable cards is the error of the sherry maggie and the name is spelled m-a-g-i-e this gentleman has a psa 8 of that card already has reached one hundred sixty thousand. so i mean it's he's gonna Pulling, yeah, you know, a lot. And and Ryan was saying earlier before we hopped on the calls that maybe he's selling all these to buy the Wagner. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. And, and seriously, he has a pretty good chance of getting enough funds together to be able to afford a low grade Wagner. I would assume after this all said and done, maybe more than he needs. I mean, he's got like Ty Cobb's and eights. It's just really amazing pieces here. And so, um, and Walter Johnson's again. He's got a nine. I'm just. It's it's incredible to look through this thing. So if you get a chance, definitely just at least ha have a peruse through this collection, just to like tell yourself now you've seen this collection is such a high grade. It's such a rare once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, to see this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So glad we get to talk about that. Really, really cool stuff. 
Uh, we're going to finish off the podcast today really to kind of just talk about some stuff we got ourselves for our own collections. Ryan, I'm going to let you kind of take the mic, and then I'll just pick it up after you're done. Cool. So I've, I've had a pretty fun month on eBay picking up a few odds and ends, and I did spend last Saturday at the Long Beach uh, Coin and Collectors Expo, which I believe happens three or four times a year. Um, if you're into sports cards or coins and you're in the Southern California area, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's super cheap and I got in for free just by being on, uh, having like a free PSA membership. They'll send you an email and you can print out a coupon super easy. Um, so it's worth just going down there. There's, it's very coin heavy and stamp heavy, but the dealers that I spoke to that had sports cards, had really nice selections. Um, I picked up a few fun pieces. My favorite piece being the 93 uh, SP Derek Jeter, which Patrick and I have sort of been eyeballing the past couple months um, as we near the inevitable Jeter Hall of Fame induction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's going to be his big card to have, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get this one graded. I think I might do it just because um but it's super clean uh i was able to work out a really nice price with the seller um so that was sort of that's just like the highlight of my my past month of collecting um similar to jeter i got a 94 sp die cut alex rodriguez that's a great card um this was an ebay purchase um another player that Patrick and I have sort of been keeping tabs on just because we we're both under the impression and this is up for debate obviously but at some point these steroid guys the Clemens the Bonds the A-Rods of the world they're going to be in the Hall of Fame in, in some way um and the A-Rod stuff I mean the 94 Flair 94 SP Dica these used to be huge cards um and we could see a spike again and they're relatively affordable right now so I think it's it's worth it just to maybe build a little stash. Um, and if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame, it's still a really cool card. I remember, you know, just drooling over these cards when I was a kid. They were in showcases all over California in hobby shops. Um, so that's sort of my second highlight. And then my third highlight, um, huge, huge card. I had to take out personal loan to purchase this, actually. 1991 Upper Deck Rex Hudler autograph. Um, <laughs> so that's going to go um, into a safe deposit box in my local bank. Because uh, <laughs> everybody wants that card from you, man. So like, make everybody sure to keep it safe. <laughs> um, so I'm very happy to secure that. I saved up for years and years. Um, I actually have several Rex Hudler autograph cards and happy to have this one in the collection. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the uh, the the Long Beach Expo coin and stamp um, uh, show is a really a cool, fun experience. Even if you don't like buy anything, it's just a fun Saturday. Um, and that typically that show is three days. It's like like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I th- maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Whatever the case is, it's a weekend thing, and it is quarterly. And when I lived in LA, I I used to go every quarter. I think there were a couple of times where I actually, my buddy Anthony and I, we 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 would decide like, do we want to go there or Frank's? And it was like we would decide. Sometimes we'd go to Frank's and not the the coin and stamp show because mm-hmm. 
our success rate at Franks was almost always good. And the coin and stamp show was sometimes good. Like the coin and stamp show is interesting because it's the first show I ever went to that I walked away empty handed a couple times. And like I, the first time I went, I didn't buy anything. And I came home. I was like, wow, that was fun, but I didn't, I didn't buy anything. You know, and the second time I, I don't think I bought anything a second time. I think it took a couple of times where I found something I actually could afford, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one time going with my buddy, Anthony, I spent like two bucks on stuff that was like in the 10 cent bin because it was the only thing I could afford in the show because you've got essentially like really big time auction houses that show up there. I've seen some of the most amazing pieces there. That's where I saw, I think the whole collection of nine, I think there were nine at the same time of the T206 Honus Wagners and I was able to hold one of them. That was the first time I held one of them. Um, uh, Memory Lane was putting on this display. It was really cool, but that's the kind of thing you see at the coin of stamp expo. Some of these like high end, super high end baseball cards displays. Uh, I saw, um, Joe Jackson, um, rookie card, the red bordered, really old, old stuff. Um, so it's definitely worth the trip. Even if you don't, you, you don't, you walk away empty handed. It's just a, it's a fun, super fun experience. I really like that show a lot. Uh, I'm glad you got the Jeter because that's a really, key card to have i still need to get one myself i plan on i plan on having one uh sooner than later and the uh the 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 die cut a rod is a solid card to get even though there's very low resale value in a lot of his rookie stuff but like as you were saying i pick up his stuff at the right price when i see it because i don't know what's going to happen with the hall of fame i mean it's going to be interesting to see down the line how this works. That admissions committee kind of like turns over over you know over the next twenty thirty years. You know, sure. are the guys going to be focusing more on numbers than you know uh, like PED usage? I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it may be the case that these road guys never get in the Hall of Fame, but it may be the case that they do. And if they do, there might be some reflux and in interest in A Rod stuff. And I'll, I'll have been thankful that I paid a close attention when nobody else was. And so yeah, I would I would highlight you said for the right price. Yes. And I think that's certainly number one priority for for me and anybody else that's looking to pick up some A Rod or maybe some Bonds or Clemens just because it's it's still very uncertain right now what's gonna happen with these guys. Right. And it could be that these cards are really kind of useless in yeah. twenty years. But um I yeah, definitely for the right price, these cards are, are you know, significant from a hobby perspective, um, and they could be significant, even more significant uh, down the road. Uh, and they're just really cool. I think A-Rod has some of the coolest looking rookie cards, just from like that 93, 94, 95 era. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked up a few more at, at the Long Beach Expo for like a buck just to have them. Sure. Uh, and yeah, so right price. Keep that in mind. Don't go... Don't go busting the bank on A-Rod stuff. <laughs> right. And, you know, the other thing we talk about is availability. They're they're around. So there's yes, no reason to pay right. more than, like, a dollar for his common rookie stuff. You know, like like the upper deck, you shouldn't have to be paying more than a dollar for those. I mean, the, the, the SP die cut, you're going to pay a little bit more. But that's, you know, it's still cheaper than it's ever been now. And so it might be gra- good to grab that for, like, 15 or 20 bucks. But I wouldn't pay more than that for that card. I just wouldn't. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I, I, I always consider availability and price because I'm okay turning it down because somebody else is going to have it because they're around, you know, if you're going to charge me four yes. bucks for a Greg Maddox rookie card at one table, I'll pass, but the next table I have it for a dollar, I'll buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and I'll buy it every time. 
but I won't, I'll never buy it for four bucks. So it's like, there's certain price points uh, I'll avoid. And if, if, if you don't want me to give you my money, then I'll, I'll give it to somebody else. That's kind of how I feel. And I can have, as a consumer, I can have that discretion. I can have that, that pickiness, you know, that selection. Um, and, and I think that those buys that you got today were, were great. And the Rex Hudley thing being a personal thing for you, that's really important too, to identify something that's personally important to you. It's cool that you bought a Rex Hudler card because it shows that you bought something not just on, you know, the, the expectation of some sort of a, an increase in value, but you bought it because it was important to you personally. And I can really respect that because I do that all the time with stuff that doesn't have any worth, any value. And I, if I ever wanted to resell it, it would be hard for me to do that. It's a like sunk cost, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I buy it because it's important to me. And that's that's way more valuable to me than trying to prospect and try to be accurate in my prospecting measure, you know, and a lot of times I fail at it. So it's like, if, you know, I, I appreciate that you were able to buy a card that, that is outside of the scope of expectation of any high fin- uh, monetary return, but you just like it because it, it's, it's resonates with something with your past personally. And so there's a lot right. to be said for that. I thought that was cool. So I'm glad you picked those up. Those are great cards to have. And I don't anticipate that you actually have a safe deposit box for your Rex Hardler autographs. <laughs> no, I, I'm very stingy with my Rex Hardler autographs. Actually, I only there's there's a lot of them on eBay, surprisingly, and I, I only purchase them if they're at a very low price. Oh, yeah. So don't worry that I'm not I'm not wasting all my paychecks on Rex Hudler. Oh, I'm worried. As I'm losing sleep like over to. this, man. <laughs> So I'll tell you about three cards that I recently got. I actually got these in the mail today. They were all came in like they all were shipped in my my PO box at the same time. So we'll start this off. This is a uh, you'll like this. This is cool. This will remind you of 2011 for sure. This is 2011 Bowman. This is the uh, blue or cyan printing plate. D Gordon rookie card, rookie year oh. card, because obviously he was in Bowman products pre rookie year, but. This being the uh, more popular one, so pick this up. This was actually pretty inexpensive. I was I wasn't surprised because his stuff doesn't really sell well anyway, especially since he got hit with PEDs. People just kind of like lost interest in him. But this was a cool addition to my collection because now I have the uh, paper one of one red border, the chrome version of the same card, orange refractor number to twenty five. I have the super refractor without the one of one on the back. So it's the like proof card or whatever. Uh-huh. And I've got this plate. It's a one of one. So it's a nice variety of that card. I just So you need the red? What's ha- left? No, I have the red. You have the red. What are you missing? I I probably the the actual super fractor that has the one of one stamp on the back. Oh, okay. So Oh, and any oh, other three any other three printing plates and maybe the red refractor number to 5, you know, like gotcha. But I I I kind of just look for these serendipitously like like when I'm like looking for other stuff or I'll like, I'll, I'll casually look for his stuff. I don't, you know, I don't like, like I said, it comes down to cost. Like I'm not going to overpay. If someone wants to gouge me, they can gouge somebody else because I won't, I won't bend. Um, it's, it's just kind of fun to chase this card because I remember in 2011 him being like kind of a hot shot. So glad to pick that up. That's the, uh, 2011 Bowman, cyan or blue printing plate d gordon rookie card rookie plate this next one's cool this is uh you might remember 2010 the uh, national convention they were doing the tops heritage steven strasberg card yes so i finally finally got one 
And this card, it sells for very affordable prices now. I saw a raw one close auction style like less than three bucks. <laughs> this card once sold for huge, huge money. Oh, I'm sure it did. But this this version of it, I only wanted one version. Um, I wanted the, this is the Tops Employee Edition version. This one's slabbed by BGS. And it just says uh, Tops Employee Edition. I, I can't find any like design change though. There's no stamp on it that says Tops Employee. There's no like unique serial number. It's all the same as the ones you pull out of the promo packs that were offered at the convention that year. You know, it's still got the serial number to 999, but the serial number is 994 of 999. So I actually think that maybe the last small number of these to 999 were the Tops Employee Editions. Like maybe the last 10 in the print run were slabbed. I don't know though, because there's another one online and I believe the serial number on that one too is in, in the 990s as well. So it could be a small like block at the very end of the print run were slabbed for the employees. Whatever the case, I was glad to get one of these because I'd always kind of wanted one since I found out about this card. I found out about this card, I think, like one year ago. And so uh, this will be a nice addition to my gallery. It's just a cool card. It's a classic shot of Mr. Strasburg, and it's got the rookie card logo there. And Yeah. It's nice. Cool. It's cool. I like it. So there's that. This is the uh, 2010 Topps Heritage National Convention, Steven Strasburg, the Topps Employee Edition version of the card. All right. My third card, this is really, really cool. This is uh, this player's, probably this player's best card ever. Henry Rodriguez. Now, there are three Henry Rodriguezes that played professional baseball. There was a guy that came up in 91 with the Dodgers, and he played with the Cubs in the late 90s. And there's a guy who was a prospect, I think, in 2012 or 13, named Henry Rodriguez. And then there was a Henry Rodriguez that played for the Oakland A's in 2007, and they had a rookie year in 2010. And he had a few years, and then he hung it up. He's not playing baseball anymore. That's this one. So I have the 2007 Bowman Chrome Prospects Super Fractor, Henry Rodriguez, official pack issued one of one. This is PSA 9. Hmm. And I was glad to get this because I I, uh, I I just think it's a cool card of a of a player that I vaguely followed in any capacity, not really. I pulled his blue refractor auto out of a pack of 2010 Bowman and I sold it because I just hadn't, I still don't have any interest in having that card, but I'll take the, pre-rookie year super fractor all day long and i got this for auction style still closed for very very low price um so i was glad to get that and i'm happy to have this in the, in the archives just one of those like oh, it's kind of a cool card i like the 2007 bowman chrome design do you remember this guy at all ryan i don't remember him at all i've been racking my brain <laughs> trying to think of how i might know this player but i i, I can honestly say i don't remember him mm-hmm um, that being said, we're both fans of Super Fractors. You They're a, so cool. You have a nice little stash of them. It's a, a fun card to have. It is a fun card to have. And, you know, I, I'm pretty picky on the ones I pick up. I kind of have to have some identification of the player. Some. Because there's a lot of these guys I don't know who they are. You know, I just... I don't... I never heard of the guy, the player. Like They never came up in the pros. You know how Bowman is. They They... They showcase and feature guys that might not ever set foot on the like pro field. Right. So you, you you'll you'll come across super fractors of guys and you're like who 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 is that? And that was in 2009, and so <laughs> you, you know you, they'll pass by your awareness like you won't even know about them. But I I had recognized Henry Rodriguez and I 
And knowing that, and I was like, well, I'll just keep an eye on it. And knowing where it went, auction style, I was like, well, it's a no-brainer for me to bid on it. Like, it's so cheap. So I was glad to get mm. this and um, really happy to have this card. So those are my three. So really glad to have these. And like I said, these weren't these weren't that expensive. I think overall, probably less than 50 bucks for the three of them. Mm. So I was glad to get those. Um, so my three my three ads for today, randomly, just packed, just, just uh, I have a little stack here on my desk of stuff I got up. I got to archive and I just grabbed the top three and those were them. So cool stuff. Ryan, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Do you have any final thoughts? I think we covered everything for this week. Lots of hobby news this week, more than actual baseball news. Um, so we'll see what happens in the world of baseball as we approach the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the biggest things right now, if you're a fan of any NL West team, uh, the race is super tight for the wild card spot. Um, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, I mean, all these regular season games sort of turn into very significant events. So could be some pretty hot games coming up. Um, so when we check in next time, uh, we'll be much closer to the end of the season, closing in on the postseason in October. Um, so stay tuned, especially if you're a fan of one of those teams that I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always fun to see kind of where we are in October with with who's playing, and it's just a fun month for baseball, you know. So or it can be, you know, <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun in October to see um, where we are. So good stuff. Thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate that, Ryan. Cool. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the next one. Of course, of course. Thank you for tuning in to the Radicards podcast on Radicards.com. I'm your host Patrick Greeno, and until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting.